Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to another version of Advantage Connor. And I am the co-host usually, but today I'm doing the intro. I'm Jimmy Connors, along with now my co-host, Brett Connors. Brett Connors, welcome to Advantage Connors. How are you today? That was good. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> spreading out. You've, uh, you're allowing me some wings. I'm flying now. So it's <laughs> you're doing the outros. Now you're doing the intros. Nothing, nothing going to be nothing left for me to do soon. Oh, no. Listen, <laughs> I need some guidance. Uh, you never know where I'll, I'll end up going. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, we, I had a good weekend. I got some good golf in and uh, uh, enjoyed it. I played in our club championships here in uh, in Santa Barbara at the Montecito Club. And uh, with a lot of my buddies and uh, and got uh, got some good golf. I okay. had a couple good days and and was able to sneak through in my division, which was kind of exciting. So yeah, it was uh, it was a good weekend. But uh, you know the, the weekends they come and they go, and then Monday comes and it's time to get back to work. So uh, the golf is on the back burner this week and uh, back uh, back trying to get some things accomplished. No wait, so so back up. You kind of kind of cruised over that pretty quick. You so you won. I did. You won the club championship. Is that what you're saying? I did okay. uh, in in in, uh, in in my division, uh, you know, which uh, you know they they had the big boys, uh, and and then they had uh, the the next level down, and I'm the next level down. I'm I'm certainly not a scratch golfer, but I'm trying to improve on a uh, on a daily and weekly basis. But you know, to be able to to shoot a couple of good days, uh, good scores, and back to back was was pretty exciting. I've been, you know, as you know, I've been working on my game and taking some lessons and and uh, I, I think it's starting to pay off a little bit so my handicap's dropping I'm trying to to get down and to stay in single digits is what I'm trying to do and and uh, if I keep uh, progressing like I am I think uh, I'm going to hit that uh, that mark pretty soon that's good that's uh that's pretty you know what I think the key was was your practice round last week with uh our guest, Jerry Fall, and myself, I'm glad that we were able to help uh, get you into the right shape to go for your, what, how many club championships is that now? 
Well, I, I have three now. <laughs> three club championships. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I need but, to join uh, a club so I can just play in a championship. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but uh, you, you guys gave me inspiration uh, you know, last, uh, last week when we played. And, you know, I always love playing with you. And, uh, and also, you know, when Jerry joins us, it just makes it that much more fun. And, and uh, I, I hope, you know, the, our fans and those who tune into our podcast, you know, know that, uh, that uh, we have been friends with Jerry for a long time. And, he is an exceptional guy, a good humor, a lot of fun, you know, really good golfer and, and, uh, just, uh, just all around great time being yeah. around him. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun day. Jerry used to call Jerry used to do the night, uh, late night, uh, sports on the news It'd be 11 o'clock. He would be like, think the set last or second to last segment, 1130. And Jerry and I used to be next door neighbors. Not like across the street, like when my door opened, it opened into his front door, his apartment. Uh, I remember that. Right across. Our dogs would hang out. Bentley played with Goofy and Gizmo, his two dogs. And I would always get a text or a call around 1145 after he had finished up the, the telecast. And he would say, hey, Brett, are you still up? And I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm up. I'm up with Bentley. Why? What's up? And he'd be like, you want to watch some Sopranos? Oh, that's <laughs> and we, right. I had the Sopranos DVD set and he'd come over with a 12 pack <laughs> <laughs> and we'd sit there and watch uh, Sopranos uh, episodes on the couch with the pups. He's a good dude. Yeah, a lot of fun. You guys had some good times. I remember some really good times. Yeah. So we'll have to have him back on uh, again in the future. He was a good guest. There's, there's more stories to get into with him, but um, that's awesome. The club championship. Maybe you can uh, bring along your co-host uh, at the member guest next year. Maybe yeah, you can find well, room in that, your uh, in your group. <laughs> well, I, I think that would be uh, that would be more than a pleasure. And and uh, the problem is, you know, we uh, you know that we, we might be one of the favorites. You know, but the only thing is, I don't know where to play from. How far you hit the ball? Right. Well, yeah, is know, it is it alternate shot? Then uh, we'd have to so, we'd have to go practice a little bit before leading up to it. Yeah, we would. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, on on uh, it's it's uh, uh, five nine hole matches. You know, which is uh, which is good, which is fun, and and uh, and some of them are alternate shot. Uh, you know, which uh, you know sometimes I might put you in some bad places, but uh, hey, that that uh, that makes it even more fun. But it, it, that would be fun; it'd be a good time. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so, g- congratulations. Uh, moving on from some golf to some tennis. Don't want to hang too long, but uh, got into the the hardcore Masters uh, last week with Mar- Montreal and Toronto. Pablo Carreno Busta. Coming out with his first Masters 1000 win, beating uh, one of our guys, Hubie Hercotch, uh, in a, in a right. good three-set battle on, uh, on Sunday. Um, so wanted to, get your, wanted to get your take, just see if you saw any of that. I did. I saw, I saw a bit of it. Uh, uh, you know, for him to get his, his first Masters 1000 win, that's a big step. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, not, not only in the, the eyes of the public and other players, but also for his confidence. And, you know, to know that, uh, that he's got that, uh, that, that ability now. And, you know, but I keep going back to the one saying better one tournament, a career does not make. Mm-hmm. And, and now that he knows he can do that, you know, he's got to continue and, and, uh, you know, and try to, you know, produce that kind of tennis and that, and that kind of, uh, expertise day in and day out every time he uh, goes out there. So, right. you know, work, working at it is, uh, is an important factor, but I guess the most important factor is working at it the right way. And obviously he's found that, uh, you know, that, that right touch right now. 
Right. He's a he's an interesting dude, Spanish guy, but he's one of the Spanish guys along with uh, Batista Goot, whose favorite surface is hardcore. Outdoor hardcore is by far, I think, uh, their favorite surface. And so this time of year is kind of Pablo Carreno boost of time. You know, mm-hmm. he, usually, he makes some runs. And he does well in Winston-Salem, which is a tournament right before the U.S. Open. Uh, he's made a couple semifinals at the U.S. Open. Um, so it was, a, it was a big win for him. Uh, I like Hubie, but I wasn't, you know, torn up to see Busta win. I think it's cool when you get some new winners. Um, Halep, yeah, Halep, yeah, Halep won for the women, uh, beating Haddad Maya, who the Brazilian player who's been great this summer. She was uh, mm-hmm. awesome on the grass earlier in, in the year and uh, now making another deep run. But here, here's something I want to talk to you about and use, use Montreal and Toronto as an example. Um, we do a gambling show on Twitter. It's at Tennis Bets if you want to follow it. And we do a, you know daily little 15-minute breakdowns of the, of the day and the, and the bets. And one of the strategies that we talk about and that I always like to use is um, when a player wins a tournament, uh, the Sunday before playing the next week, you know, and it's not, let's say a top five player who's used to winning tournaments. It's right. somebody like Busta who has, you know, won some tournaments, but doesn't have probably double digits in his career. So one of the strategies we do is you, f- you know, find these guys who pop up and win a tournament and play a lot of tennis in a week and then would have to travel and reset and go from hotels and, you know, come from this big high down to like, you know, t- starting another tournament two days later and, you know, we, they're usually favored because they're, they're coming off the win. So the books see that and they, they make them favorites. So we usually bet against those players as long as they're not mm-hmm. top five guys, let's say. Right. And so, like, like, here it is. It's Tuesday or it's Wednesday or yesterday. Was, I'm sorry. Yesterday was Tuesday and everybody had played. So Busta played a long three-setter against Kekmanovic. You know, his body starts to kind of break down. He has to leave the court after losing the second. And he ends up losing in three hard sets. Haddad Maya lost. Um, her match to Ostapenko, you know, and then uh, Hubie today lost yep. a, a tough three setter to Isner and Halep was mm-hmm. the only one to win. And you would say, well, Halep's probably the most consistent best out of those three players. And even Halep was almost out on her feet yesterday in her match against Potapova. She was like almost a miracle that she was able to come through that in, uh, in three grueling long sets. But I wanted to get mm-hmm. your take on like, you know, as a player, would you want to play? Would you want to keep playing the next week after a hot week where you win a tournament or you make a final? Or are you looking to take the week off and kind of use it as a rest to reset your body? No. Or no? What, what, what was your uh, strategy when you were a player? No, I, I was, uh, you know, if, first of all, I, I would go and when, when I would make my schedule, I would, I would play two weeks, may, maybe three weeks in a row. Uh, and that, that was the maximum, unless I was struggling. And, then, then I might add a tournament, you know, somewhere along uh, during the course of the year. But, but uh, you know, if I would go win a tournament, I knew that I was in, out there for two weeks or three weeks. And, and you know, my mental uh, preparation for going in there is, is that I'm winning, it, I'm winning all three. <laughs> you okay. know, that's the way I, I went in there. And, and, you know, whether it happened or not, you know, was, was really irrelevant to my mind thought, you know, my mind thought was that, that I wanted to be on the weekend, no matter what, you know, I would do anything to get to the weekend and, and, and to play because what, you know, once you're in the semis, you know, that, you know, anything can happen then. And, and, and so my, my feeling was, you know, if I, I knew I was out for two weeks or three weeks, you know, you know, it, that, that didn't bother me. You know, and, and uh, you know, it's funny that, that you say that uh, she was almost out on her feet or, or they were exhausted or, 
you know, that, you know, I, I get it that, you know, that if you haven't won uh, and, and that it takes a lot out of you and, and you, you want to celebrate and, and, and go through all that, but your job is not to celebrate. Your job is to go out and play and continue and to win, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to be the best player that you can be. I, I understand the feelings and how that happens. And if you're not used to it, how it can take you over, but, you know, uh, you know, going back to me and, and, and the, I'm the only one I can talk about it. And that's because, you know, it was my feelings. I, I wanted to win every match, every, every tournament, every, when I stepped on that court, whether it happened or not was really irrelevant, but that was my mindset. You know, I was gone for three weeks. I don't want to sit around for five days over the course of that week. You know, I want to be playing. I want to be working. I, I want to be, you know, trying to get better and, and uh, you know, trying to push myself and, and to get in better shape and, you know, and to work on things in my game that needed work and to, to make me better. You know, a lot, a lot of these guys, they go and they, they play a tournament and, and they feel like their job's done. They win a tournament. They feel like their job's done. They can take, you know, a week or two or six months off and, you know, live off of that result. Well, people forget about that result in a hurry. Right. You know, maybe not so, maybe not so much now. But back in the old days, man, you know, I'd go and win a tournament and the in the next week if I didn't win, you know, I was done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, people were, you know, were criticizing me. Well, you know, he's not as good as he thought he was. And, you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe his game's faltering. And you may, you know, they the, if you listen, you know, to the so-called experts, you know, they'll tear you down in a heartbeat. Right. You know, so, you know, my thoughts were, you know, go win when it was time to take a week off, then take a week off. But I was never, ever out of shape. And, and, and I say that with the utmost pride. I, I never lost a match because I was tired. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know the, the, longer, the longer the match, the, you know, I may look it, you know, but that doesn't mean once the ball's in play that I wasn't giving it 110%. And that's the one thing that you can work on and get better at, you know, on your, uh, yourself. Yeah, and 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 to to know that when you walk out there, that you know, being you know, Nadal is that way, Djokovic mm-hmm. is that way, Federer is that way, you know, the the, the guys that are bad, Borg was that way, I was that way, Vilas was that way, you know, a lot of you know, uh, I don't know about Mac, you know, I don't know what his training was. He played more doubles, so you know, maybe he didn't, you know, uh, uh, do other training except just play tennis, but. You know, knowing that when you walk out there, that nobody's going to beat you because you're out of shape, that they're only going to beat you because they're better on that day. That's a big plus in your mind, you know, and, and that, uh, I don't, I don't know that that's just, that's just my, yeah. you know, my feelings. And, and, uh, but now you asked me if, uh, if I ever had a letdown, sure. Once in a while, everybody has letdowns, but, uh, you know, not often. Right. Right. Well, speaking of uh, one of the players you mentioned there, I think it's Willie Velas's birthday today. I think uh, today Ooh. or yesterday, I think he's 70 years old. So uh, I wanted to say happy birthday to him. He's a friend of the podcast. Uh, yeah. One of the greats uh, all time. To, yeah. To Uncle Willie. Uncle uh, Willie. He was, uh, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he, not only, uh, Brett, uh, that, that I played against him in many, many, many uh, uh, great and big matches over the course of our time on the regular tour, but even on the senior tour when, when, uh, uh, when I started that in the nineties, uh, Willie, uh, Guillermo, we called him uncle Willie and, and, uh, was such a, you know, a big part of it. And, and, uh, you know, what he lent to it, not only his name and, in and, and the way he played tennis, you know, back then, but also at the time, but 
it was mostly built on uh, their abilities to connect with the sponsors and and the fans and you know just everybody that was you know making the tour what it be, uh, what it had become at that time and and he was and he was one of the best one of the best and you know you say happy birthday and and happy birthday I say too but you're a little older than me you know I'm not not, not <laughs> seventy for until another three weeks well, three so. weeks you and Isabella. <laughs> Yeah, the mascot uh, Isabella. We got uh, we got the same birthday, which is uh, yeah, it's coming soon. So seventy, I'm on my way. Nice. Yep, right on the corner. But uh, you're probably the healthiest seventy year old uh, I know. That's for sure. But um, uh, what do you think about now? Because they roll right into another um, Masters one thousand, uh, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Montreal, and Toronto. You know, they're they're different than Indian Wells and Miami, where those tournaments are like 10, 11 days. You right. know, where it's like a two week kind of tournament where those two weeks are, are blotted out for, for the tournament. But here, you know, you, you, you get ready, you play uh, Canada and then boom, Monday, like the, the first round starts. That's that's what I'm saying. For, so for these players to come right off there and, you know, everybody played yesterday on a Tuesday because, the, the, you know, it's a smaller field. And uh, I think you're right. So, you know, this is just this week's example. There's tons of examples where the players don't lose after winning or, or you know, there's a different record. But yesterday, the one player who came through you know, having to deal with being tired and worn out and the quick turnaround was Halep was the player with yeah, the most with, experience. The one that has the, the credentials. Right. The most experience yeah. and, and, right. and the one who, you know, when you think is out, has been there so many times before and figured out a way to win. She was able to where like, you know, Busta is as good as he played, he played well yesterday in, in that first set, especially, but Kekmanovic forced that third. And when he, after the second Busta left the court with the trainer for people who were betting it like me, that was like, oh, I was like, you know, beautiful. Cause you're like, that means he's hurting, he's tired. He's played six matches now in eight days or whatever it is. So like your theory is kind of playing out, but then Busta goes up the break and, you know, it was just a crazy match back and forth, but Kekmanovic mm. was able to pull it out. But, you know, now they roll right into, into Cincinnati. So I wanted to get your thoughts just a little on, on playing there. I know you, you've played there a bunch and you know, how far that tournament has come from, uh, from when you played. Yeah, I mean, you know, back then, uh, you know, Cincinnati uh, was a clay court tournament uh, back uh, part time in the seventies, and um, changed changed venues, and you know, it it went out to. Uh, I, I remember playing where it is now. It's it, uh, it's not Six Flags. It's uh, uh, I, I know there's a big theme park right near there. I can't quite remember it uh, what it is, but you know, should I remember when? Uh, when they were first uh, starting to build the place and, and, uh, you know, they had the courts and they were building the stadium and they, they had uh, wooden planks laid down because if it would rain, you know, so we wouldn't walk in the mud and, and uh, you know, but, but uh, where, where that tournament has come since, you know, back in the seventies when, you know, when I was seventies and early eighties, when I was playing it and, you know, not only, you know, with the stadium and, and everything, but, uh, you know, the importance of the event, uh, uh, you know, the amount of money that's in the event, uh, the stadium that it has, you know, the, the kind of crowds that they get, uh, you know, the players that it attracts, you know, it's, uh, uh, one, one of the many, you know, back in the day when, you know, the likes of, you know, and this is even the, the, the guys before me, the laborers and the Newcombs and the roaches and the ashes and the Smiths and, you know, and, and Pancho Gonzalez. And then it rolled into my generation in my era that, you know, uh, was able to, help jumpstart, you know, a lot of events, uh, that, uh, that even today are, are, uh, are, are continuing to, 
you know, to thrive and to, to be important on the tour. And, uh, you know, looking back, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a good feeling that, hey, you know, maybe, you know, me playing that event and uh, Mac and Borg and the guys that played the, that event over the course of the years made it help make it what it has become now. And that's, that's kind of a nice feeling to, to be able to look back and, and, and to, you know, to say that. Yeah, definitely it is. Um, yeah, because we've talked about the other side of this where events you used to play, like, you know, Memphis or, or Dallas or, you know, a bunch of events that used to be that don't exist anymore or have been moved to other parts of the U.S. or even other parts of the world. And, you know, those events are gone and how sad that is. But then there's been, you know, how many of the events that are now mainstays and Masters 1000s and, and, and all the things they are. Um, you know, are there because of what your generation and, you know, the generations after you guys, you know, were able to build, build on. And so to see it today with, with all the money and the fans and, and the sponsors and, and everything like that, it must be pretty gratifying to know that, you know, you guys played such a big role in, in making the, making the arm what they are today. You know, it'd be interesting, brother, to, you know, to go back and to look and, and, uh, uh, you know, my friend Donald Dell, uh, who was, uh, you know, the head of ProServe uh, back in the day, it was, uh, it was a sports management company. You know, I, I was talking to him a number of years ago, and, he, and, and I can't remember exactly the number, but it was in the 20s, uh, 24, 25, maybe, um, give or take a few tournaments that at the time were in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, uh, and now going back, you know, and, and counting how many are there now. You know, it would be it would it would be interesting to know. I don't I don't think there's many more than you know maybe eight or ten, you right. know, over the course of the year that are here. Uh, am I right? Or, uh, yeah, there's probably. Some, I'm not sure. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, probably closer. The, probably double digits because they have like Dallas now, and they have like that New York tournament, and, you know, Delray and and Miami and Indian Wells and, yep. and and that kind of stuff. But not that many, you know, in reality. But uh, it's a weird thing because. You're right. There were so many more tournaments in the U.S., but don't you think that because you guys were so successful, obviously it's in some of them they they maybe lost money or whatever it was, so they had to shut it down. But don't you think the fact that so many more tournaments now are in all the other parts of the world is like even a bet, a bigger sign of of what you guys were able to accomplish? You know, like you guys, sure, yeah. some of the events have left the U.S., but they've gone to like all these countries and, and cities in the world that you might not have ever even imagined tennis being a hotbed of, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Tennis has certainly become a, a, a super international sport, uh, you know, but back, you know, back then, you know, the U.S. Uh, also had the players that ruled, <laughs> you know, we had, uh, in the seventies and in uh, the early uh, late late sixties, seventies, early eighties, you know the U.S. and Australia were really the ones who really were ruling the game, were were winning everything. It had uh, you know from labor. I I just mentioned them, and then you know the, a lot of all the uh, the young Americans that uh, that that I had come up with, and they were all at one time you know in the top ten, the top ten of the world. So that was a draw to have more events over here. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, let's showcase our players and, 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 uh, you know, we've got the best, you know, they, they want to see, you know, Eddie Dibbs or Roscoe Tanner or Brian Gottfried or Dick Stockton or John McEnroe or Jimmy Connors or, you know, whoever, you know, so let, let's, let's, uh, let, let's, let's make that happen because that's going to make our events successful. Now you've got such international players now, you know, and, and, I hate to even say this, but uh, you know, maybe the the U.S. game is suffering a little bit in the men's division, 
uh, and but it's spread out so much, you know, where where the stars are so international that uh, hey, they're they're taking advantage of that uh, all over now, which is which you know which is a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. you know, there's uh, there there. There was tournaments back in in the in my day, brother, that I, I wish I could have played. You know that uh, you know uh, in uh, Athens and yeah. Cairo and you know places you know of such history. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they they weren't the mainstay. They were you know a level below. And back then, you know, the times were different. You know, I had to play so many of the the upper tier tournaments and. I didn't get to play him, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's some of my future travels to be able to go to, you know, some of those places and, uh, and, and spend some time be fun. That, that doesn't sound too bad. Um, I know you and mom have been to Greece on a cruise. We've talked about it before, so maybe you'll have to take a trip back, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, interesting that they play to the masters 1000s back to back too, you know, and the clay, there's a little break between them. Um, but they go back to back in the spring and then now back to back. The hard courts are all back to back like that. Um, just shout out. You mentioned Eddie Dibbs, Cartier Eddie. Yeah. He's one of the few guys who's, who won. They weren't, they weren't back to back weeks. They were a couple of weeks apart when he did it, but he won uh, Canada and then Cincinnati back, uh, back when he played, back when you guys played. So shout out. He must've been grinding out some long, hard summer hot points to win those tur tournaments. Oh, oh man. He, you know, he didn't let the heat bother him only, only when he wanted to. <laughs> so, uh, he, only when he's placing he was, a bet. Oh yeah. He was, <laughs> he was beyond a grinder. Uh, and, and he, he would stay back and, you know, if, if you wanted to hit 20 balls, he did 20 balls. If you wanted to hit 30, he did 30. And, and, you know, a lot of, you know, his uh, criticism was that, well, he never comes to the net. You know, he doesn't, you know, he can't volley. He could. Yeah. He could. And, and that, you know, a lot of, he was um, underestimated an awful lot. And his, his results and, and uh, you know, the way he played, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that, uh, that were interesting players when, uh, during my time, Brett, but going and watching him play was always entertaining. Yeah. You know, his, his attitude and, you know, what, you know, what he would bring to the court and how he would play. And, and uh, he, he was always fun to watch because he, he was always, you know, his head was down, ah, you know, bitching and moaning about something. But then when that ball was in play, man, I didn't want to mess with him. Yeah. We, we, we had so many good matches over the years and, you know, I, I won some and I lost some, but, uh, you know, walking off, you know, I, I'd been friends or we still are friends since I think I've been eight years old. Mm -hmm. with him and and uh you know not once did we ever walk off and not say you know let's go have dinner or you know or i'll uh, i'll meet you on the champs Elysees for a dinner or you know someplace where right. we were and and uh yeah and uh, we still have a a good a great friendship today fun nice. he's a good man good dude we need to get him on the pod but i think if we're if that happens we're gonna have to go to him in miami since he never comes out here or gets on an airplane uh go visit him and joe one of the funniest yep ever stories uh gambling stories from when i was young i was probably i don't know 14 or 15 we were in miami over christmas break uh or yeah over holiday and it was when all the bowl mm -hmm. games were going on and i had somehow ended up over at eddie and joe's to watch the game and hang out it was the peach bowl <laughs> now it's like the chick-fil-a <laughs> peach bowl i have no idea what it was back then and eddie and i are sitting there and of course he's got 20 bets going on the game and and i just remember it it was like his team had scored and covered with like a kickoff to go 
all they had to do was like kick this ball off, right? <laughs> and it was this bang back and forth. Like he thought he had gotten screwed. Then he got some miracle play. There's four seconds left. For some reason, they kick it deep instead of just squibbing it. The guy takes it and like proceeds to juke the whole team, including like the cheerleaders and takes it to the house. <laughs> and like, I'm watching it in slow motion, watching dibs, tear his hair out, going crazy. I've never heard of a voice get that high pitched. And he's just like, what are you doing? Kicking it to him. You're stupid. Man, man, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I say, you know, he would be a, he would be a great guest and, and entertaining. We might have to censor some of it though. No, uh, no he, way. That's he, the good stuff. <laughs> but Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I always remember he, that from growing up as being such a, such a good story. I miss seeing him. He's, he's a great dude. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to run into him soon. That's for sure. It'd be worth going down there to, to get him on the podcast. He'd, he'd be a great guest. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes it so easy to start hiring. It takes 10 minutes or less for most SMB employers to post a job, and Indeed can help you find the talent that you can't beat. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Connors. That's Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. What else is going on? Anything? Yeah. You know, you know, uh, uh, I was reading through the paper today. I saw, I saw something that was uh, really interesting, that, uh, that American Airlines is uh, getting back now, and, and I got the article right here. Uh, they, they placed an order for 20 supersonic airplanes. Oh, yeah. It's called the Overture Aircraft, and uh, they're expected to carry, uh, I don't know, 65 to 80 passengers and, and fly at 1,300 miles per hour over water, of course, because of uh, uh, the speed of sound. Sonic but boom. that's going back to the, to the days of flying the Concorde, mm-hmm. you know, uh, going from New York to London or New York to Paris. And, oh, oh my, I mean, won't that? Uh, be great for travel again, you know, New York to London or Miami to, you know, London, whatever, in half the time. I mean, that would, uh, I, I think that would, that might get me back traveling again, to be honest with you. Yeah. That, that, that would be exceptional. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, as I, we have taken the Concord together uh, multiple oh, times. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since. Uh, randomly, uh, this came up 
a week or so ago when I heard, heard this story first uh, broke is that my buddy was uh, talking about it. And I said, yeah, we, you know, we took it with my dad, blah, blah, blah. Uh, do you remember how, what happened with the Concords? Why they stopped using them? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, they were, they were aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and uh, I think uh, it, I can't remember if it was a takeoff or a landing where one had takeoff. Uh, yeah. I had a catastrophe. Yeah. So, and, and, this is the craziest part of that story. So they were old. They were starting to get old. But uh, there was one taking off from, I think, Washington. I think it was. I can't remember where. I think it was Washington. Uh, it was taking off. And um, a bird flew into the, a bird hit it. A bird flew into the engine and caused mm. it, you know, like it to blow. The engine pops. And, and because it's so close to the ground, it doesn't have time to maneuver and it crashes. Happens to be caught on camera. And is run repeatedly on CNN on a loop for like the next week, right? It's like the biggest story. It's this crazy video, flames, and all these poor people dying and everything. And so that kind of led to the Concord being, you know, taken offline and not used anymore. But there was right. nothing, nothing happened in that accident that was technically wrong with the airplane. You know, it's like there yeah. was a bird that flew in and it's just like this freak accident that you know, obviously is terrible and maybe they should figure out a way to put a guard on it. I don't know, whatever, but it wasn't faulty engine or something like that. And so I always thought that was uh, funny that, uh, that that's, that it got taken off and it wasn't even the, you know, the airplane's fault. And so it gets this kind of bad rep, bad history when you think about how it went out, but um, it's good to see them bring it back because it's, yeah, that, uh, that's going to be great. You know, I, uh, I, I, the, the opportunity to fly the Concorde a number of times and, and, it was uh, awful nice of uh, some of the pilots. They uh, they invited me and your mom, uh, but at different times, of course, to sit up in the cockpit during takeoff and and and, and also during landings. That's cool. And and it was uh, you know the way the nose would come up and and the way I mean it was it was an amazing amazing airplane. It, it was tight quarters. It was tight, but I mean, you know, with, with all due respects, you know, by the time you get on the plane, you have a little bite to eat, you close your eyes for a few minutes, you're landing. Mm, yeah. And, and, uh, but, uh, but it, it was, it was, uh, some, some opportunity and, and some thrill to be able to, you know, to look out the window and, and, uh, you know, not, not see the blue skies, but see the, the dark, uh, you know, the, the, the darker blue of uh, almost outer space. Mm-hmm. You know, at, uh, flying at that altitude. It was a thrill. Yep. They say uh, Miami to to London in half the time is what it'll take. So that's, uh, you know, we're always in a rush. Time is money yep. here in uh, in this new ever-growing world. But um, I, the last time we took it, it's pretty funny. I remember we took it, I think, home from London to New York, uh, like around 99 or something like that, I feel. And we got on the airplane and we're walking down the um, the aisle and all the, the things are closed. The, the drapes are like taken or pushed down. And mm-hmm. except for, I see one about midway back through the, you know, through the plane. And it's like, it's, it's up for some reason. And I'm like, as we get closer and closer and all of a sudden, you know, I realize, oh, that's my seat, you know, because you're in first class. I'm in the back, you know, you got me in the back. So I'm, I'm, I, I see, I realize and I look and the little blind thing that you bring down is broken. And, uh, you know, normally it's like, oh, whatever, just keep it open. But that thing, like you said, it gets so high 
that it gets super bright. <laughs> and so yeah. everyone else keeps the blinds closed. I remember like when they, when it gets up to maximum altitude or whatever, and except for mine. So mine was the only one on the whole airplane. And I remember like wrapping my head in my sweatshirt or something to, <laughs> to try and make it darker to try to sleep. Yeah. You didn't have any trouble sleeping. You could sleep with the drop <laughs> of a hat anyway, back then. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's true. Well, what uh, else is going on? Oh, oh, I got some questions. Uh, we got we got one uh, one other thing. Uh, I, I, I've been uh, hearing a lot in uh, articles today about Serena retiring. That this is her oh, yeah. uh, her last year, and uh, you know she's been a great champion. Uh, you know for twenty years, uh, she and her sister, and you know what they what they've been able to bring to the game, and you know the excitement that they brought. Uh, you know the championships that they've won. Uh, but it, but it's interesting, you know that uh, you know she. Oh, you know, was taught by her dad and uh, and came from the the public parks in Compton. Uh, you know, I was taught by my mom, came from the public parks of East St. Louis. It's, it's kind of a neat, you know, neat to look back and 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 to see, you know, that that uh, you know what it takes sometimes, uh, and and families are willing to do to try to make their kids great, mm-hmm. uh, and and. You know uh, where it started, and you know then then the start, and then you know the in betweens, and then you know how did they reach you know the pinnacle uh, of 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 being such great champions is a pretty interesting story, and and but uh, you know I, a lot of things happen over the course of the years. You know, of course, you know you have your championships, and you also get older. <laughs> you know, you also get married. You also have kids. You also you know, your mind takes you in different directions. And, you know, I guess eventually uh, your body, uh, uh, just as as much as your mind is going to tell you, hey, I, I just can't do this anymore, uh, you know, because it takes so much to, you know, to continue to stay up on top and to be great and, and to, to live up to not only your own expectations, but also the crowds and your fans, you know, that and, and, then, and then also that you're playing against, you know, your competitors that are maybe 15, 16, 18, 20 years younger than you. Uh, and, you know, which is brutal in itself. So, uh, you know, uh, best of luck to her. I mean, it, it's been, it's been a great ride for her, I'm sure. And, and, you know, for her to walk away, I'm sure uh, she won't have a problem uh, taking up her time uh, it, uh, with uh, other things that she has to do, uh, plus her family and so forth. So, uh, best of luck to her in the future. And, uh, you know, thanks for a lot of good memories. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, she's been, she's been great. Uh, one of the things that, uh, always sticks with me that you've talked about that I've seen now that I'm older and have a job and, and like, you know, obligations and stuff is that when you're young and you're a player and tennis is your life, it's like your whole life, you know? And, uh, and then you become good and you grow up. And if you're lucky enough to, you know, get better and become a pro and make a living at it, and tennis continues to stay your life. But then when you get into your mid and late 20s and 30s, then like other things become important to you besides tennis. And, you know, mm-hmm. family, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, you know, other interests, hobbies, like whatever it is. Um, kids, you know, and, uh, and but tennis is still kind of your life. But anything that you let in as you get older that isn't tennis is going to directly pull from tennis right you know what i mean because you're giving a hundred percent to tennis 
you know, when you're 15, I am what you're going to do. I will play eight hours a day and practice and train and eat and do everything I got to do, you know, but then when you're 28 and, you know, maybe you want your girlfriend wants, you want to get married or you have a fiance or you want to have a start a family or when you're 35 or, you know, all these different times, anything you start to do is now pulling directly from the hundred percent that you've been giving to tennis, you know? Right. And so that becomes a hard thing to juggle and to try and figure out. And then, you know, like Serena, she's gotten married. Now she's had a daughter, you know, and she's got tons of other stuff I'm sure going on. So uh, that's always been really interesting to me is because um, it's different than other jobs. You know, other jobs you you get into and, and, you know, your job is your life, but it's, it's like in a different way because like you're not doing your job at 14. You're not doing your job at 11. Like you are tennis when you're coming up like pros are. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, what do yeah, you think about yeah, that? Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right, Brett, because, you know, you, you feel that uh, when, when other things kind of come into your mind and come into your life, you feel like when you're with the tennis and you're, you're training for the tennis that you feel like you should be with your family. And then, but we, when you're with your family, you're saying, man, I'm slighting my tennis, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, there's a, there's a very gentle balance of, of how, you know, how to manipulate your time and, and, you know, what's important to you. And, you know, with, with the understanding that still, you know, uh, that the, the tennis is your livelihood. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, she's gone well beyond that. Everybody goes well beyond just tennis and, and, you know, what, what that brings, but, but, you know, still, if you, if you want to continue to, to be at the top and be the best, you know, you've got to, to balance that. And, and sometimes that's difficult. Uh, you know, you, you know, but, but I, I look back and, and I, I see how tennis was so good for me in my mind because I use tennis as an escape. That's why I didn't mind playing five-hour matches because, you know, I felt, I felt if I was out there that, you know, everything else uh, uh, w- was hopefully being taken care of off the court. You know, uh, with, with you and your sister, your mommy was taking care of that or, you know, with, with my business, uh, you know, that, that was being taken care of. So really, you know, my, the only thing my mind had to be on was the tennis. So, you know, what a nice thing. Instead of having six or seven or eight or 10 or 20 things on your mind, I only had one thing, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> you know, kind of, it kind of worked out, to, you know, for me to be, you know, a good escape. But uh, there's, a, there's a gentle balance. And sometimes that takes time to, to work that out. And uh, if you can get through it, it, you know, hopefully makes you better. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, when you got married to mom and, and had me that, you know, you always said that, you, you know, you still were making semifinals of slams and winning tournaments, but people thought that, you know, oh, you know, he's, he's fallen off a little bit, he's distracted, he has other things in his life. And then I know that was, you know, part of the motivating factor to come back is to show you that, hey, look, you know, I can have a family and, and still be a tennis player at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yep. So well, um, one yeah. other thing about Serena, uh, you said that one thing that I think you're right about is, is her dad, you know, her dad is kind of, um, uh, you know, King Richard, the movie and everything like that. But the guy himself, not Will Smith playing him like actual Richard is an interesting dude. You know, he, he taught a sport that was more of a white sport, a country club sport in an area that didn't have much tennis. You know, I feel like you were kind of like that also where tennis was a sissy sport and it wasn't even professional and, 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 you know, white shorts and all this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, he was kind of ostracized by the tennis establishment and, you know, like he didn't give interviews really. And he kind of sat and took pictures, you know, he did, they'd always show him taking pictures with his camera. But I think when you met him there was a part of you that identified with him seeing grandma, 
like Grandma Glow, I think, took a lot of shit and was ostracized because <laughs> she didn't do it the right way or she's a woman and then, you know, he's he's black and, and you know, it's not normal and all these different bullshit things that, that you know, old school ways of thinking, you know, have. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, you always liked that about him. I know I always know I you, you spoke well of Richard anytime he came up and, and I've got, you know, pictures of you guys talking one year at the U.S. Open that I can put out and, and just wanted to get your take on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I always, I always, uh, you know, like going up and, and, uh, and spending some time with him and, you know, I, you know, around a tournament, uh, you know, he had, he had his girls that were out there playing and, you know, and, and I was doing the TV or, you know, corporate, uh, corporate work. And, but I always, you know, enjoyed going up and, and, you know, having a moment with him and, you know, and, uh, he, he was, you know, for for me, I like that. You know, I came I came from a tennis background, though. My mom and grandma both played tennis. I I I really don't know what his background was in tennis, if any. Right. You know, or, or he or he just thought that man, wouldn't it be great to get my girls in into into this? You mm-hmm. know, they're they're great athletes, and give them a shot. You know, to you know to get as good as they can be, and you know to. Uh, you know, and I, I I keep going back, and and you know, isn't it isn't it amazing that you know coming out of of Compton, California, uh, on the public courts that you know uh, uh, Richard Williams can produce two major <laughs> champions. Yeah, multiple. And, and 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 then I can also say that the USTA, with all their money and and everything, can produce one. <laughs> so I mean, it just. <laughs> It, it just, it just kind of, you know, uh, I mean, it's almost, uh, it's, you know, for him, it's incredible for the, for the other, it's sad, you know, with it, that's what to, to wonder what's holding it back, you know, with, you know, with, uh, with all the money that's, you know, uh, from the, from the U S open and that can be put into, into the tennis to, to produce, try to produce champions and get the right people to coach them and all that. What's holding it back. That's mm-hmm. what I want to know. Not, not the women's game. Not the, not women, the women. No. Yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, Ken uh, won a couple me, years me. ago, Sloan a few years back. And you got Coco. So the women's game yeah. continues to be strong, probably with the help of the Williams sisters' influence, to be honest. Right. Right. So, so, but what's holding the men back? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've got some good players, you know, but, but. Well, the men are weird now because the men, you, you, it used to be like top heavy. Where like it was you and Mac, and then maybe someone else in the top ten, a couple other, you know, and then you know, a bunch of guys in the top hundred. Now there's like no one top ten, I don't think, but there's probably fifteen guys in the top hundred. You know, there's mm-hmm. Isner and Fritz and uh, and Encorda and Brooksby and 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 you know just a bunch of guys. Um, Opelka, you know, so uh, I don't know. It's it's you're right though. I, I, Richard's an interesting guy. The the fact that he is, stays quiet in a way kind of like adds to the like mystique about him. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like, I mean, coming from Compton and then coming from East St. Louis, like you guys did, like, you know, I don't think he had a tennis background. <clears throat> I think he saw, I think the story goes is he saw like Chrissy getting like a, a, you know, one of the big checks they hand out at the end of an event, you know, those like goofy cardboard checks, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever, 50 grand. And he's like, what? They're giving that much money, for, you know, for girls playing tennis. And he started, you know, teaching his girls tennis. And, and I think one thing that he was smart enough to know, like Grandma Glow was, was once they had gotten as good as he could get them or she could get you, he went to the right people or he took them to other people so that they, they could take them to the next level, like with yeah. you and Poncho. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an art in itself, <laughs> you right. know, to, to know when to let go like that. That's, uh, that's 
you know, that's, uh, you know, to, to know the right timing, you know, it's all timing. That's, you know, it turns out to be a great word is uh, knowing when to let go and, and uh, to, to know that you've taken them so far and you've given them everything. And then if they're, if they're going to be what you expect them to be, you know, there's, there's other people out there that always know a little more, I guess. I guess that's the, you know, the one thing you want to take away from that. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, tennis is a, is, is a weird sport where like uh, a lot of players, their, their parent is their coach, you know, usually in team sports, you know, you have a, who's your coach, you know, the team, my team has a coach, but with tennis, a lot of players, their first coaches are family members. And then it's tough. Like, when do you know to say, to let go? Like, when do you let go? And because you want to state claim and, Hey, I've been here this long, but you also have to know your limitations, which is always a difficult thing. And, and uh, what's best for them might not be, you know, might not be what's best for you, I guess is the way to yeah. say it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that, uh, you know, she's got a, a, a lot of things to, to keep her mind busy, to, to keep her going. So, uh, but, but uh, just to say one more time, what a great career and, and uh, you know, what, uh, uh, what, what she has brought to the game has really been something special. So congratulations and, uh, you know, a lot more life to live. So enjoy that just as much. Right. Uh, one quick story. I only have uh, one or two Serena stories. Uh, we were in Australia with Andy Roddick in 07 uh, for the Australian Open. And we went up to Andy's room to watch the AFC and NFC championship games on the weird time schedule uh, uh, down in Melbourne. And Serena came up and was watching the games with us because she's a big sports fan. And uh, just always remember Peyton Manning coming back and finally beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl later against the Bears. Um, okay, so moving on. Shout out, Serena. Great career. All that stuff. Um, let's go to a couple questions and then we'll get you out yeah. of here. It's been a good show. This is, this, is turning to be, this is turning out to be my favorite part. Yep. I like this too. This, I like getting yeah. the, the, the listeners into it and, uh, and just getting the interaction. So Bob Dunn wants to know, did you really audition to host Wheel of Fortune? If so, please elaborate. Well, there's, I did. Uh, I certainly did. And, and uh, the reason being is uh, Merv Griffin, uh, who uh, founded the show, uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune, and also uh, Jeopardy, uh, was a good friend. Uh, and, you know, he asked me one time, I was, I guess I was in my late, uh, late 20s or early 30s, and, you know, was kind of thinking, you know, if I had enough, do I want to play more? What do I feel like doing? And, he says, well, hey, why don't you come down and, and uh, audition for Wheel of Fortune? So <laughs> I did and, uh, you know, drove, drove down there and, you know, got, uh, you know, had, had the, the three contestants and Dana was there and, and you know, Merv. And uh, he says, yeah, just go and just relax. Just go and, you know, here, here's, here's some of the points you want to bring home and, and uh, went out and did it. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, Brett, I had a ball. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, here's the other thing I'll be honest with you with. If he'd offered me a contract, I'd have probably taken it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was older and, and uh, uh, I, I, I had to be in my early 30s. So I think I had, I had won Wimbledon in the Open again. Uh, and, uh, uh, he, you know, he was, he was kind of excited about it. And, and I was. And, and uh, you know, the, the program was turned out to be, you know, one of the all timers. I mean, it's still going on, you know, to this day with the, with the same host of Anna so, White and, and so Pat Sajak. But uh, it would, if, if he'd, if he'd offered it to me, I, I would have certainly had to sit down and, and really give it a lot of thought because that would, that would have been, you know, quite an entree into, into that business. 
Right. So were you were you auditioning to be the original host or were you because I know that the Pat had it for the night and then there was a daytime one that they eventually had that right. I don't think stuck around. I think it was out for a few years or something, but just the nighttime one ended up sticking around. Did, did you do the original one? Uh, I, 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 I auditioned for the program. I don't know if I was going to be the daytime, the nighttime, yeah. no time. <laughs> yeah. Party you, time. you know so but but the 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 fun part was going and, and being a part of it mm-hmm. yeah, and and seeing how they you know make the program happen and and uh you know the whole behind the scenes thing which was which was a lot of fun and and was uh, you know, cool? like i said uh was vanna what? cool oh yeah yeah vanna was cool but merv was cool yeah, uh, yeah was he cool. was he, he was a a great tennis fan and loved tennis and, you know, uh, loved, uh, you know, being around, you know, tournaments and, you know, especially like the Allen King classic and the tournaments in LA was a big supporter. And, and, uh, but he, he was a, he was a very good friend. And, you know, when he invited me down, I mean, I wasn't going to say no to him anyway, you know, and, and then to have a chance to do that was, uh, was even, uh, was even a greater experience. So it turned out, it turned out to be a, a good thing. And, uh, you know, but, you know, looking looking back, uh, you know, would I have taken it? I might have had to think about it, but I'm still uh, not too pissed off with the, uh, you know, with the 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 last you know six or eight years of of my tennis either. I must yeah. say. So, did you actually do some like test uh, games with contestants where they would spin the wheel and you'd be like three hundred? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it was you know, it was, it was just like the program. Uh, we did it just like the program. Oh. I, I actually, you know, wouldn't mind trying to find that. I was just going to uh, say, yeah. how great would it be to try and track those down? Uh, well, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I definitely uh, do. Uh, it, it, it would it would be fun to <laughs> you know to see. Yeah, it would. Uh, I don't know. I might I might have to look and see where I could uh, where I could find something like that. If I do, I'll let you know. Okay, that'd be fun. Yeah. If if so, we will tweet it out to the world and and have a world premiere. Um, <laughs> that that's pretty funny. Uh, okay. Next question quickly because we seem to get the same update from you every week on it. But Mark. Benuelos, uh, sorry if I butchered that. We definitely need an update on your kitchen remodel. And uh, any more? And then Tim Moore says, any more cooking demos, please, Jimmy? Really enjoy them, Tim. Yeah, uh, listen, Connor's kitchen can be back in operation when my kitchen's ready. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I know, I know it's taken a little longer than expected, and and uh, but it is going to be magnificent. Uh, and and I, I say that because. Uh, you know, I, I get to, to I, I watched it a little bit and a little bit each each day, each week, and it, it's just uh, it's just really uh, coming along. And you know, the the marble and and uh, everything that we have picked out is, and, and we did it ourselves. We, uh, uh, your mom and I, you know, kind of design redesigned it ourselves a little bit. Not, you know, we didn't tear a whole lot of things out. We got a lot of new stuff, and but it's uh, it needed an update. Yeah, you know, it was, you know the house is. Uh, we love our house and and uh, not going anywhere. But you know, it it needs a, a little freshening. And and uh, starting in the kitchen was a good place. And but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be you know, Connor's kitchen could be back in operation. And I I just might have a few new you know recipes coming out too. I've uh, I've been kind of I'm by myself this week. Your mommy went to a dance competition, so I'm by myself with uh, with Bogey and Stevie, our cat. So. I want to be, uh, you know, using a, a little bit of what's in the kitchen to, to, to make a few things for myself. So kind of excited about All that. All right. You have to tweet, you send out a pic, tweet it out and let us know what you cook up. I'm guessing you'll be using the grill. 
That's yeah, your favorite. Um, yeah. Okay. Gerardo Hernandez. Gerardo Hernandez. What was your f- all-time favorite clothing kit you wore back in the day? Mm. Or a composite of all your favorite, uh, you know, clothing items? Well, I, I, I didn't work for just one company. Uh, I, I, when I got into it, I wore Fred Perry at the very beginning. And, you know, I, I, I've told that story. Uh, you know, when I was on a hot roll in 74, I wore the same pair of shorts for, for 103 matches. <laughs> so, uh, man, they stood on their own once in a while, too. But, but uh, no, I, I, would, uh, I would wash them. Uh, after every match, I'd wash them out in the sink. And, and uh, you know, I got on a roll and, and I said, man, I, I, can't, I can't get rid of them. And so Fred Perry. But I, I, I always liked predominantly white. You know, white shorts, white shirt. I, I would wear a little color in a vest. Uh, I, I always loved wearing a vest. So uh, when when I had my own uh, line of clothes, Jimmy Connors line, we always you know incorporated some color, but mostly white. But uh, I worked uh, for Cheruti. Uh, you know, Cheruti was uh, was dress clothes and uh, beautiful uh, jackets and suits and in shirts and ties and, and they, they got in the tennis business and, and made, made some shorts and shirts that were in, in sweatsuits that were beautiful. And, and, uh, if, if you look at, you know, in 82, uh, uh after I won Wimbledon, I have a, a, a blue sweat jacket on it to assist, you know, just, just the look and the feel of it was, uh, was really, uh, was really cool. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, once, once my, uh, you know, I, I got a little bit older and, you know, I just kind of, you know, mixed and matched and, you know, put things together and, and, uh, you know, but predominantly white for me, I, I always, you know, like that look and, and, uh, you know, kind of stayed with it. Yeah. I always liked the, uh, hang tin socks. I thought those were oh, cool. You know, oh, I forgot about those. Those were my favorites. Yeah. Those are pretty yeah. sick. I would wear those now yeah. if they, if they had those, uh, today. And then did you say Robert Bruce? Did you mention that? Yeah, I mentioned Robert Bruce. Okay. That was my my first line. No, uh, I like the my, old, the red look. We had the RB, the red look, where kind of like the red outline on the on the shirt. That was a good one. I put out a pic yep. of what I'm talking about. Yep. And then yeah, I yeah, like yeah. at the end of your career when you came back at the U.S. Open and you had no sponsors because everyone thought you blew your wrist out. He's done. He's old. No one's gonna pay him what he wants. Blah blah blah. So you guys, I remember Billy Lilly, who we've talked about, Mr. William F. Many times on the show, Red Dog. Uh, you guys had some Nike shoes that Nike would send us shoes, but you didn't have a contract with them. And so Billy would take the shoes and spray paint them white. <laughs> and then uh, on a couple <laughs> pair of shoes, he had a stencil and, and spray painted in pink, right? The words for rent. <laughs> for rent. <laughs> for rent on the back of the heels of the oh, Nike shoes. Right. <laughs> spray painted white just to let everyone know, hey, you know, I'm available yeah. <laughs> out there for the yeah. right price. Which uh, damn, no, nobody ever picked up on it. <laughs> nobody ever got it. I don't uh, know about that. You went on the run in 91 at the open and picked up quite a few sponsorships uh, <laughs> with the Super Bowl commercial and stuff. Yeah. It, it was it was worth having the far rent on the back of it. But, you know, I, I will say one thing. Maybe they couldn't see it because my feet were moving so fast back then. They, they couldn't read it. Yeah. They didn't know what it was. Oh, my God. That's funny. That's a good, that's a good memory to come up with that, Brett. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that's funny. Well, that's one of the tragic things I feel about tennis is how the gear, the gear used to be so cool. 
Like when they show you and your gear and Borg with his Fila and Mac and his cool kits, and, you know, Velos, everyone had like their own look and style. Like even the, the women, you know, mm-hmm. the women would get their outfits made by like uh, stylists, by like, you know, designers, you know, so yeah, that Ted, is, Ted Tingling, right. Uh, Ted Tingling was, uh, was a great designer of, of uh, the women's outfits and, uh, you know, Gussie Moran with, uh, you know, with her look and, you know, then Aless, uh, Aless yeah. was a, was a, a great company also back then. So, you know, they, they, yeah, everybody had their own style. That's right. That's right. right. And then, you know, I'm not a big fan of most of the tennis gear today. Cause it's so, it's like so brightly colored, you know, it's like neon colors and like the way I judge it is, would you wear it? Can you wear it anywhere but a tennis court? And most of the stuff is like, no, like you wouldn't want to wear that. You couldn't really wear that. It's like, it's awful. <laughs> but like the stuff, the sweatsuits and the gear, like Borg wore, you, that feel, you'd be like, give me that sweatsuit today and I'll wear it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Classic stuff. Different, yeah. different way, different look now. Yep. Different times. But uh, that's about it. I got, you got anything else? I'm going to go walk the gold doodle Isabella. It's a warm day down here in Los Angeles. Well, get out and get a little exercise. But uh, as always, you can follow us uh, at Advantage Connors. Mm-hmm. You can follow me at, at Jimmy Connors on Twitter, at Brett underscore Connors on Twitter, uh, at ADV Connors. Mm-hmm. At Advantage Connors on Instagram. Yep. We got at Gold Dude Isabella. That's the, that's the show mascot. And uh, yeah, make sure to check us out and share this with a buddy or leave us a review if you can. We'd love to get some reviews and uh, keep hitting keep us. The que- keep the questions coming. I right. love the questions. Questions and topics. They don't have to be tennis. I love the tennis yeah. topics, but go ahead and give us some non-tennis topics that you'd like us to dip into uh, that we have opinions on other things besides just tennis. Believe me, folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just maybe you would, Maybe you wouldn't like to hear them, but hey, we'll give them to you no matter what. Check us out on our new platform platform cloud 10 which is part of the iheart podcast network i'm gonna go walk the dog you go get some exercise and i will talk to you guys later peace